Good evening. Put a lot of pressure on me, Jimmy. 15 minutes of sleep. About to nod off. That's a lot of pressure on me. We'll see how good you really are. Yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. I'm, man. Jimmy's reading every scripture tonight. We're just going. He's just going to read every one of them, so that that won't be. So we know we can keep him propped up back there. No, I'm glad. I'm glad you're here. I miss getting to see you when you're not here. I think everybody would agree with that. And Kevin, glad to see you uh, as well. Uh, be able to make it in as well. So I, I guess you're about as far from Josh right now as we could. About anybody could possibly be almost. But uh, hopefully they're safe and enjoying themselves wherever they are as well. Tonight we're talking about uh, the book of Romans. Technically, if we want to be real specific here, we'd call this uh, the epistle. Um, This would be a letter, and it's the first of a large number of letters here in the next several weeks. Um, In fact, the New Testament is almost entirely uh, epistles or letters, and uh, most of them are written by Paul. And uh, this is the first one, at least in our order, that they are presented. Uh, It is important to note these are not listed in, they're not printed in necessarily in a uh, chronological order. It's not like the things that happen in in the book of Romans are before what happens in Thessalonians or whatever it might be. But um, we'll be talking about the book of Romans uh, here this evening. Of course, this is the sixth book. Um, You guys remember when this number here was way over here? It has progressed quite a bit. Uh, We should have 21 more after tonight, which means it's about, what, five months away. So uh, by the end of July, we should have covered everything. And you will be knowledgeable in all books of the Bible, as long as we don't have to take a test afterwards, I guess. uh, We'll be good. I noticed one thing that said it was written in 56 AD. That's unusual to know almost exactly well, but if you think about letters, that's probably, it'd be easier to know that than anything else because you're almost always going to date a letter uh, and the, the kind of correspondence. One of the things that's fascinating, Boo, you can relate to this on like historical readings, is how letters that were exchanged back and forth, there were just countless copies of them that were made, correspondence that was kept. And they can go back to all of these historical things and say that Ben sent a letter, you know, people that maybe that are, that matter. It may not be just a casual person who might not have been able to write anyway, but we can see the correspondence from Ben to Pat for 50 years. You know, you can read every one of those letters back and forth. Um, we think about that today. We don't write a whole lot of letters, but every email that we write, every text message that you maybe send is, is, uh, is clocked as well. I mean, I can go back. I have on my email at school, uh, some of the first exchanges between me and Mary uh, from back in 2005. Uh, and I can see the dates. And I had one, she had a dog on the way to uh, work one morning uh, when we hadn't been dating too long. You remember that, Mary? I've got an email. I got an email, I got an email that proves it if, uh, if, if you don't. But, um, but anyway, uh, but you can go back and sort of log those as well. So it's not for the, for the epistles, not that uncommon. Uh, whereas if you think back to the Old Testament books and uh, even the gospel, it's really hard to pinpoint a specific date uh, on those. 
All right. So tonight we're going to talk about the book of Romans. Uh, this picture uh, is the one I just wanted to include. I thought it was pretty. Anybody know what this is? This is the Colosseum in... There you go. Here it is, right here. So this may be as close as any of us ever get to it. So, you know, it looks good up here. Uh, Lucille will never see it. I, you know, that's just way too far for Lucille. That's right. Can't, can't drag it all the way over to that. <laughs> but if you look at all of the epistles, every one of these epistles are letters to someone or to some place. And specifically when we say some place, we mean the church at a specific place. This is the Colosseum in the picture uh, in Rome. It's still there today. But this is the book of Romans. More specifically though, if we're calling these by a real name, it is an epistle or a letter to the Romans, to the people that are in Rome. And if we look at the next few, it'll be to people in Corinth or people to Ephesus or people to Philippi. And every group gets a different letter because that's what we would still do today. Every group is facing a different situation. I see that in my classroom every day. I have four 10th grade classes, but they're not all in the same place. My fifth period class, the the third class that I teach for uh, 10th graders, that's my lowest group. Academically, they're not up here. So some of the things that I do with my sixth period, I can't do it with my fifth period. I have to address them in a different way because they're not smart enough. They're not prepared to get to that. Well, when we look at these letters, what Paul will write to Rome doesn't necessarily equate to what he'll write to, say, Philippi. And the reason is the people in different places needed to hear different things. Now you might say, well, maybe we need to hear this now. But maybe somebody else needs to hear it. Well, that's the beauty of these letters. These letters circulated everywhere. These letters that maybe this is addressed to Rome, but that doesn't mean that Rome was the only church that heard it. And so when people read these, they realized, ooh, there's something in there for us. And so for us today as Christians, 2,000 years after these letters were written, there's still something in there for us. For our church, it might be a specific epistle. But for you as an individual Christian, there may be things that you need to read. Colossians might mean more to you than Galatians because it addresses something more pertinent than what that would be. And so I want us to think about that as we go through these epistles over the next few weeks, that there's something in there for everyone, but there may be things in there that hit you a little harder than they hit somebody else. And that's quite all right as it is. Now, what we're going to look at tonight... I kind of changed, uh, changed uh, horses midstream. Is that the idiom that you would use right now? But our design, our plan, I've changed it just a little bit because I came across something that I really like. And I and as I told Josh the other day, you know, thou shalt not steal, but I have flat stolen from right here. Something that I really like. And so what I want us to look at, 10 messages from the book of Romans. Okay, 10 messages. And there's some, uh, some statements, some thoughts, and then also some scripture as well. There's a scripture with, I think, seven of the 10 or maybe eight of the 10. It's not with all of them, but I'll <coughs> reference <coughs> all of those as we go. So all of the readings will be on the screen, but if it's a little bit too small for you, 
then we can, uh, we can read it uh, in your own Bible as well. This first one, though, this is from Romans chapter 1. We'll be all over the book of Romans, so don't pin yourself into one certain spot. But Romans chapter 1, verses 28 to 32. Ben, do you care to read that for us, please? So if we look at this, there is a list here that is five verses long, four verses long, it doesn't really, at the end, of different things that people do wrong, right? There's any number of lists. And so I said that about things hitting you harder or softer for a reason. Because right here from the get-go is a list of just a litany of sins. Thank you, sir. There are things that are on this list that have absolutely never been a problem for you in your life, right? There are things that if I gave you a red pen, no, no, I could live to be a billion and that's not going to be a problem. But there are things up here that probably hit a little closer. Here's the thing. I don't know what they are for you. You don't know what they are for me. And that's okay. That's not really the point. But what we see here is how sin can sort of creep into lives. Okay, sin can find its way in. And so, purpose and message number one. Yes, sir. Back that up just a second. You don't care, honey. Uh, people oftentimes say, what is righteousness? And this right here says they do all these things uh, filled with all unrighteousness. So you can, you can understand sexual immorality is not righteous. Uh, so you would just basically say that if these are unrighteousness, then the opposite of that would be... If you're practicing some of those or any of those, there's two or three of those, then you're so, so what we see here, and you can see this, every one of these sort of purpose and message things, and there's 10 of them, this is my sort of stolen part. I've added some, uh, mixed a little bit in, but some of this is, uh, you may read this from somewhere else. But as we can see here, the depravity here that says that which sin lives, leads, excuse me, is the fact that when man abandons God and does what? Follow its course, okay? That God, it says, will do what? Give them up. So when we abandon God. Now what I think that means right there is when we say, now nah, I know I got this. I'm going to do it my way. Because we like to do things our way, right? Because your way is fine, but my way is better. And we deal with that with so many people. How many people have we ever worked with in our lives? You're like, man, every time they do something, they do it wrong. Just let me do it. You know, we kind of had that sort of thought there as well. But we see here then, as you go a little further, it's illustrated in the Gentile nations rejecting God, as it says there in what we've uh, seen, verses 1, 18 to 32, to walk in the vanity of their own minds after knowing Him. And I think that's the most important part. People that knew Him, 
and then kind of move back. You know, some of you read the, uh, in the, or, uh, yeah, you read, or somebody, you read it. That's right, I'm sorry. The, uh, the, the scripture there where it says, certainly not. You see that like multiple times in the book of Romans. But the question is, if I'm doing, if I, if I become a Christian and then I start doing wrong, is that okay? That grace question comes up. Well, I think that we see that quite often because that's a pretty valid question for these these people need to know. You know, when we talk about things like grace, am I good? Am I covered? Do I need to keep doing? Like, you know, if I, if I have changed, if I've, fixed, if I've been baptized, am I, okay? am I all set? That's a legitimate question to ask. Because if it was, then that, do these things. That's fine. But that question comes up and Paul addresses it multiple times here in the book of Romans. If we go a little further right there, three times in the last verses, uh, in, Rome, in Romans chapter 1, uh, verses 28 to 32, what we just read there, three times as he describes the moral destitution of the Gentile nations, Paul says, God gave them up. So, our thought here, our question is, can I fall away from God? Absolutely. I, mean, I think Paul addresses that pretty clearly in the first Chapter here of Romans. That God could give them up. Now, is God giving them up for what reason? Why is God, why does Paul say here that God is, would give them up? Because they did. They, this was not God's choice. God's like, well, I never liked her in the first place. That's not what it is. It's I like God, but then, oh wait, I kind of like this a little better. And God the Bible talks about being jealous, right? The God gives them up. God does not want robots. He wants people that worship Him and adore Him and love Him because who He is. And, and if we don't want to do that, we don't have to. God will never make anybody. We talk about that sometimes when we talk about the old law and how people, you know, sort of viewed it as a checklist. You've made that comment several times. You know, I did this, I did this. My heart's not in it, but I did this, I did this, I did this. Well, that's not what... We're looking at here. And that's all your own responsibility. Sure. No one can snatch you from God. Right. Right. Now, this kind of goes along with it. There's not a verse for this, uh, at least at what I've got here. But God does not respect the person of any man enough to just wink at his sin. We see that verse uh, in the scripture. Well, that's all right. Don't, don't, don't sweat it, right? We don't really see that there. Sin was just as sinful on the part of the Jew as it was on the part of the Gentile. That's in chapter 2. Now, if the Jewish people were the chosen people, does it appear here that they're not allowed to sin? Or at least God's not just going to let them sin freely without a man? Are the Jewish people? I don't think so. What about Gentiles? So is the law of God, is this new Christianity the same for all who practice? No respect for a person. Now that's important because if you think about it, who were the chosen people prior to Jesus' coming? Who were not the chosen people? The Gentiles. And so God's chosen people, if you're the chosen one, you sometimes think to yourself right here, right? I can't do wrong, you know? 
If I, you know, you may have that, you may have that with a sibling at some time. She never got in trouble. I got in trouble all the time. You know, you get those sort of thoughts right there. But we make it pretty clear in the second chapter, Jew, Gentile, who's got to follow the rules? All of them. Why is that important in Christianity? Equality. Equality. Absolutely. Why is that important? Right. And that puts us on equal footing with the Jews. Mm-hmm. The Jews obey the law, we obey it out of heart, they obey it out of the, the covenant. So we're still all equal in the sight of God, we're still all doing this, obeying the same law. What if the Jewish people had been required to be baptized into Christ? The Gentiles had required to be baptized into Christ and also had to walk a hundred miles. Is that fair? What if the Jewish people were allowed to be baptized into Christ and then um, they were allowed to have five free sins, no worries at all, but the Gentiles weren't? Is that a fair system? There's a commercial that I've seen on TV quite a bit. With the, they give the one kid a sucker, like a big sucker, and one gets a little small sucker. And the little girl goes, that's not fair. Well, we immediately spot fairness, right? How old do kids have to be to spot fairness? About six months. He's speaking from someone who must have raised twins of the same age there, right? But they can, you can spot that really quick. Well, if the rules are different for one group than the other, that's a respecter of persons, right? That's winking at, well, Ben, it's okay for you, but now over here, you can't be doing that. Exactly. Well, why do I want to be part of that? Yeah, absolutely. And so that's the second point for us right there. Now, we'll get a little further into that here with the second one. So let's look at Romans chapter 3, verses 2 and 3. And again, there's way more that could be read. I've just kind of grabbed some sort of verses uh, here and there uh, to be able to use them. All right. Uh, Mom, do you want to do that one? Message three, there's a universal need for salvation because all have sinned. What's the word universal mean? Worldwide. Worldwide, everybody, okay? You talk about sometimes you hear universal health care. That would be everybody. There's no separation, okay? Universal need for salvation. That means who? Everybody. Everybody. Why does everybody need salvation? What did we just read on the previous one? Is there a respecting difference between Jew and Gentile? Same thing. Same. They both need it. Here's our verse that proves it. And you said they're both lost, but scripturally right here, what does it say in verses 2 and 3? Because what? They have all sinned. I have sinned, but guess what? You have as well. Am I better than you? Are you better than me? We're in the same spot. And how do we get better? How do I improve myself? I have sinned. You have sinned. What do we do? Go back to the last week. When Peter's preaching in Acts, 
In chapter 2, Peter's talking, he's preaching, and they stopped him and said what? What must we do to be saved? There's a universal need for salvation. The crowd in, the chapter, in Acts chapter 2 recognized their need and then asked, what must we do to be saved? There was a need because they realized they had sinned. I don't know that every single person that heard Peter that day had been there when Jesus died, but they were cut to the heart. The Bible says they realized that they had done wrong. How could, I'm as guilty as anybody because everybody is guilty. Everyone is guilty. Romans 3, 26. Yeah, I think the quicker we realize that, the quicker we get our mind, we get our, our hearts and our minds. Right. And that's a, uh, I, I was talking to the coach last night about a basketball player, a certain basketball player, he said it took him half a year to get his mind right. Mm-hmm. Why am I not playing for him? He's being very, very selfish. And now it seems like he's got his mind right. Right. And he's in prayer time, he's increased, he's helping the team, he's doing things that he needs to do to make a better basketball player, a better team. And it takes some time to, to quit. If you realize that back in November, mm-hmm. in way ahead, yeah. figure it out in, in, in the end of January. Right. Uh, no, I think that. That affects it. just the same thing as we're seeing. If you realize, I'm a sinner, yeah. and I need grace, and I need salvation, the quicker I realize that, the better off I am. When the hypocrite stood and prayed in front of the in front of everybody, what what do you remember what he prayed? Do you remember what he said? Pray not like this publican over here, this tax collector over here. He was immediately he stood in front and stood in front of the crowd, might as well just say, and say, you know, I need help, but I'm way better than him. Can we fall into that trap pretty easy? That's not what the Bible says at all, is it? And so we've all sinned. We've all made mistakes. But we can fall into that. Well, I'm, you know, let's go back to that first slide. I don't do that. 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 Are there more sins than what's listed right there? Absolutely there are. Are we guilty of some of them? Are we guilty of a lot of them? From time to time? Probably so. So we have to guard against that. Well, I need some help, but you need some more help. Because all of us need help. Sorry. If you look at the ones God called his friend in the Bible, David, Abraham, Moses, all these people, they all sin, but they all obediently recognize it. Well, right. But sometimes for us, there's a little too much pride there. To admit that we've sinned or done wrong, and we can fall in that. Well, you know, I, you know, I, I have done wrong, but not that wrong, or not as wrong as she did, or you know, whoever it might be. Let's go to the fourth one, Romans chapter three, verse twenty-six. Feel free to comment on any of them if we're going a little quick. Uh, it's just because there's ten of them, and I want to get to it. Um, Jimmy, while you're alive and kicking here, can you read Romans chapter three and verse twenty-six? This is from a reading section in my Bible. It's titled God's Righteousness Through Faith. And the book of Romans talks quite a bit about faith. The Bible talks a lot about faith and faith in what, you know, faith in Christ and faith in doing what's uh, necessary or required or whatever. God's grace alone 
was able to provide this salvation. And this provision was made by the blood of Christ and offered to men in the gospel of Christ. Does that make sense? Why? Let's break this down into three parts. The first part, God's grace alone was able to provide this salvation. Now, I think for a lot of times, I think church Christ struggles with this. We struggle with that sentence right there. And we say, oh, great. Now you've got to keep on. Let's break it down for just a second. God's grace alone provided the salvation. What does that mean? Didn't do anything to merit. Who sent his only begotten son? God. God. Didn't have to. Did he have to? Not at all. Didn't, didn't have to. Didn't have to at all. But he sends his son and his son does what? Yeah. Dies. Well, that wouldn't have been something that you would have wanted. Nobody wants to send their child into, into, into death if you've got that choice right there. But God's grace alone makes it possible in the first place. So we've got to say thank you Thanks be to God for that grace that's provided. Now let's go a little further. And this provision was made by what? So God showed the grace, but what did Jesus have to do? He had to shed the blood for it. So if God had sent Jesus, but Jesus hadn't died on the cross, does any of it matter? So God had to do his part, but then Jesus has to do his part as well. And offered then, the third part, it says right up there, offered unto men what? The gospel. the gospel of Christ. So where do we learn how to get into Jesus? It's actually from the Holy Spirit. Yeah, from the Holy Spirit. From the gospel, from the teaching right there. So we talk about the Trinity. We talk about the three in one, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We see all of it right here in this point. Everything plays an actor. If you take one of those away, what good is it? It can't exist. If you take away the grace part, can it exist? No, Jesus died on the cross like everybody else did then. But if you take Jesus' death away, does the grace matter? Not, not, not really. And then if you take away the gospel, how do I gain from it? I don't know anything. How? I think I'm giving away something that I might be saying on Sunday. But there's about 30,000 people that died on the cross during, roughly during Jesus' time. Those numbers are hard to perfectly pin down, but there's a lot of people. Give me a list of all the people you know who died on the cross besides Jesus. I need first and last names. <laughs> you know three people. You know Jesus and the two people that were crucified beside him. And you don't even know their names. If there's no gospel that presents what Jesus did, he just died on the cross and that was it, right? He's one of a number of other people who did. A little further. Justification here. What does it mean to justify? What does justification mean? To make it right. To make it right. TV show called Justify a few years back. Did you ever watch that? It's in, I think it's set in Kentucky. Like the guy's from yeah. Harlan. But I've, seen I've never seen it. It was called Justified. He's kind of a vigilante of sorts, I guess, trying to go around, make things right or whatever. But justification is not by works of the law or else what? If it's only based on the law, it's only Jewish. Who do you mark out then if it's only Jewish? It's all done. So it's, it's a Jewish affair because the law was only given to the Jewish people. Well, and if you have to go beyond that, then you have to mark out Moses and Abraham and all those. It was Pre-law. Yeah, absolutely. 
Absolutely. This would have made God, as we see here, what we talked about a minute ago, a respecter of persons. Was God a respecter of persons under the law? Under the law, he absolutely was. It was handed down to the Jews, but they didn't handle it right. And so then it was extended to the Gentiles also. True, true, true. And so that would have made God, as we said, a respecter of persons in providing justification for the Jew without the Gentile. How many people do you know that are Jewish? You don't know many. There's only about 14 million Jewish people in the entire world. There are fewer Jewish people in the world right now than there were prior to the Holocaust. That tells you how many people died during that. But there are not that many Jewish people. They, about 80% of all Jewish people live in the United States or in Israel. So the odds of you knowing somebody are probably better because you live in the U.S., but still not very good. That's not many people. 14 million people is not, not many people. You don't know a whole lot of Jews. So if this was only for the Jews, how many people do you know go to heaven? <laughs> not many. But it was extended to the Jews. Jews. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, let's go a little further. This is Romans chapter 3, verses 19 through 20. Kevin, do you care to read that one? The law of Moses, as you can see here, was not given to reveal God's plan for making man's righteousness, making man righteous, but it was given to reveal sin and through the knowledge of it to make the whole world conscious of the fact that they stood condemned before God and therefore needed a Savior. Who needs a Savior? Everybody does. This is what we've been talking about so long. But the law of Moses that we see there pointed out what the people, the Jewish people were, what was the purpose of the law of Moses? To reveal sin through the knowledge of Okay. So they learned what they needed to do, right? And we talked, you know, we talked a minute ago about being a checklist. I can't do that. I can't do that. I can't do that. That law was revealed to the people. Now, what's the difference in the law of Moses and the law that Christ brings. Christ's law was not a checklist. No. It was not a physical law. It's a spiritual law. It's a, uh, he, wants you to, he wants to own your heart. Well, then under the old law, everybody had to do the rolls of the sins forward every year. You don't have to do anything today if you really don't want to. I mean, you know, if you're God, you do. But, mm-hmm. but it's not a mandatory thing that everybody becomes a Christian. Right. I've probably asked this question before, but are there any tasks at your home that you have to do that you hate doing? Can you think of anything at your home you have to do but you hate doing? Anybody want to share one? Most of them, right? Most of them. Jimmy, you got one? I know, 
don't say that about him. No. All right. I'm just, dusting. All right. Anybody else got anything? I run the sweeper. Think my back was breaking too. Don't like it. Cooking. Don't like to cook. Yeah. Fold laundry. Fold laundry. Yeah, we all got something, right? We all got something. But how many of those tasks have to be done? They all do, right? So we can not like it, but you got you got to do it. Right there. Well, I'm sure there were tasks in the old law that they, I'd say, I can almost guarantee there were Jewish people that, man, they'd love to have a Saturday free to kind of do some stuff, right? That one, that one, they wouldn't allow. And I'd say there were probably Jewish people that begrudgingly kept that Sabbath. Man, I'd like to, I mean, I'd like to be doing it, but we got, got a phone. Yeah, <laughs> they'd like to have something to eat. Yeah, like a pork chop there or something. And so when we see here, though, this, this new man, it's not about like, well, I have to do this. You know, it should be as a Christian, I get to do this. Not I have to. Because those have tos are things that we you know, can't wait to get it over with. But we shouldn't treat Christianity in that same way. Thoughts? Mary? verses here. Romans 3.22 on the top. Uh, Romans 1.17 on the bottom. Boo, can you just do both of them? Even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and all who believe for there is a difference. For in the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. And as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Have you ever heard that sentence there? Before the just shall live by faith. Paul points out that justification is not to be obtained by the works of the law, but rather through a system of faith, and that faith is faith in Christ. It's not through works. Lest any man should boast, right? But in which the system of the righteousness of God, or God's plan for making men righteous, is revealed. That's what we just saw right there, what we read, the just shall live by faith. This revelation of God's righteousness in the gospel is the reason why he affirms that the gospel is God's power unto salvation unto who? All who believe. It's open for everybody, right? It's open for anybody. You just you gotta do what you you got you gotta hit the requirements. You gotta follow through, you gotta do what you're supposed to do. But does it matter if you're Jew or Gentile? No. Does it matter if you're rich or poor? Does it matter if you're black or white, tall or short, fat or skinny, what you know, however any divides you want to put there? Did the old law divide people? Was there a group yes and a no? It's where the chosen people come in, right? So you had to move over to this side. This is not what we're seeing. What we look at right here. The just shall not the Gentile just, not the Jewish just, the just shall live by faith. Yeah. Every now and then I talk to somebody and they, you can get pretty quick after you talk to them about the church and about the church and this and that. If they just simply don't believe. 
And that is a real road, I mean, it is the, the, the roadblock about all roadblocks. I mean, it stops the conversation, it stops the, 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 the thought pattern. They simply just choose not to believe. But you have to understand, they have that right. Sure. So I, mm-hmm. I don't press the issue with people that, that's, they don't maybe say it, but they really are saying it. Right. I really don't believe what you have to say. Right. I know that personally, I don't dislike mm-hmm. you, I don't hate you, I don't like it, but I really just don't believe. And, uh, but that opportunity to believe is available for everybody, but certainly some will choose not to believe. And that's, that's perfectly within their right. <laughs> But it's, it's disturbing to me. Right. But there's 2,000 years worth of examples of people. You know, you're not the first person that had that conversation. You won't be the last. Other thoughts? Let's go to Romans chapter 9 and verse 32. And it be care to read this one. Romans 9, 32. see the word stumbling block or stumbling stone a few times in the Bible. That the Jewish people had failed to attain unto God's righteousness because they sought it not after faith. What does that mean? You didn't seek it after faith. Or not by faith, maybe is the best one. They sought it by that checklist we were uh, talking about. Not following rules or whatever. It wasn't about stepping out and obeying God out of faith because he's God. It's about this checklist. So it was not sought out by their faith that what I'm doing is the right, but rather, like you said, with that checklist right there. And they refused to let the law serve the purpose that God had intended. I don't think there's any, there's no way that you can go back into the Old Testament and think that the law was meant to be a checklist. Do this, but that's what they turned it into. Now, if we look at that today, if we're not careful, can we do the same thing as Christians? We, we can follow into that really well. Went to church. Right? What preached on it? Don't know. Went to church. Took communion. What did they say? They don't know. Drink was a little tart. Right? Yeah. Called somebody this afternoon. Well, I did that. Didn't want to. Don't want to talk to me. Don't care about it. I went in and called me. Can we fall into that if we're not real careful? The majority of Christians hey, they believe that once they're baptized and once they've done that part, hey, I'm done. You know, it's, I can do some good things. I'll be happy to help. You need to build and paint it. I'll be happy to help. But not seeking it out. You know, you're exactly right. They, they fall, people can fall into that uh, quite easy right there. Daddy preached his whole life that you can't work over top of a mess. That doesn't just to be working with you. And I have work over top of a what? A mess. A mess. Like if you're painting the room, you got to, like if you're going to paint that wall, you got to do some prep work before you can paint that big wall. Now, okay? You can't leave the Lord's table there. You can't leave that sitting out of the garbage can. You can. And you, and you said, well, I'll move the garbage can back six foot. Well, it's still a stumbling stone. Mm-hmm. Right? And we've got to be careful. Sometimes we've got stumbling stones that's in the way, whether it's a garbage can there or the, or the Lord's table, whatever it's not. You've got to move that out of the way. And so we have to, for, for our faith to be what it needs to be, we have to move these things out. Am I getting into your next one? No, you're not. But we have to. And uh, I've seen people sometimes work, and it's no wonder they get hurt at work because they've, <laughs> They've fallen over the, the wrench that they laid on the floor 30 minutes ago. So last, last Wednesday, Kelly, you'll remember this. Kentucky played last Wednesday night at 7. Remember Kelly made a statement that we got to hurry up and get church done. I, I don't, we didn't forget. But we, I get home, 
And I was, was walking the house because I knew Kentucky was going to play, and it was about 7.15, so I was a few minutes late, and I couldn't find the remote. Could not find the remote. And I was, you know, I, I looked on the, where it usually is, wasn't there. I looked a couple places else, couldn't find, you know. But as I, after I looked at about the third place, blood pressure starting to get a little high, where is it? <laughs> Getting pillows, throwing them off the, you know, doing... Those things that were in the, there were some things I just get to get it out of the way. I got I'm looking to find this one specific thing. As a no, but Amazon brought one. All right, don't know where it is. Mary, Mary was mopping. She lost it. That's what. <laughs> but what ends? Up, what we we were trying to we were trying to find this. In, we never could find it. Never, we we still right now. I don't know. I have no idea where it is. Now, Lucille, I've been looking there for weeks now. It's not there. Nothing's there. But the point is, is when I was really ready to seek it out, there was nothing going to stop me from trying to find it. You know, when I was first looking, I was like, eh, it's here. You know, it's here. Oh, it's probably here. And then it's like, get those stumbling blocks, we got to get them out of the way. If we're really interested in finding it, they got to go. Not, I can walk around it. No, we got to find it right then and there. Romans eleven twenty six. Lucille, you care to read this one? Which one? Romans eleven twenty six. And so all Israel shall be saved, and it is written, there shall come out of Zion and deliver and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. And that's in Isaiah. I think we read that probably three, four months ago, whenever it was that we were in Isaiah. This Rejection. This idea of national rejection didn't mean that the Jew as an individual could not be saved. Ben talked a minute ago about how people in the old law could have converted to the Jew. On the flip side, could the Jew who had been under the old law be converted to Christ? The early Christians, they, Jesus was a Jew. They were all Jews. They could be saved through what? The, the law? No, through the faith of Christ. And as Paul affirms there, so all Israel shall be saved. It's available for all of them. They may not have chosen it was available for them right there. That is, in the manner through their faith in Christ. Because what happened to the old law at the end of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? What happened to the old law? Nailed to the cross. On every single one of those books, Jesus dies at the end of it. Every single one. And old law went with it. These Jewish people, anybody could have access through their faith in Christ. Not through the old law, but it was available for each. Last one, number 10. It's Christianity. First time we've really used that word here. We don't see that word appear too often uh, in these earlier uh, letters here. But Christianity, as Paul so well emphasized in this letter, should blot out, we're going to use that word here in just a few minutes as well, but should blot out all National enmity. That's not my words, but that's what I had read on the thing. But this notion of this is what our people should do. You got to remove all that. We're not Jews, but we have enmity with family. This is what the family always did. Blot all of that out and bring them in Christ to love one another's brethren and to enjoy the fullness of Christian fellowship. Spiritual rather than fleshly relationships are what we need to be considering. Right? We get real excited about fleshly relationships. 
not near as excited sometimes about a spiritual relationship. What good do the fleshly relationships, this is my wife, this is my mother, this is my father, do those provide salvation? No. They do not. Is there anything wrong with them? No. But that's not where the salvation comes from. Salvation comes from what? Christ's love. Christ's love. That's the relationship that matters. Amen. Thoughts? I write something down. Ben, and I draw ben, a line. ben, don't say too much. <laughs> <laughs> He's exactly right. I'll let him keep talking if y'all don't want an invitation. You know, he, he, can, he can keep going right there if he wants to. Anybody else got anything? I may stop. <laughs> Anybody else? All right, well, that's the book of...